Aloha, beautiful women. Rise, priestess, rise, and welcome. Welcome to the Temple Podcast. I'm Kasha. I'm here to facilitate the conversations that we're all bursting to share. And I'm here to hold that space for everybody who's going through this big awakening as a woman in this world. This is the place where priestesses come to priestess and the sisterhood is absolute. I welcome all conversations of magic, divinity, sacred feminine, goddess work, priestess work, just embodiment of motherhood, maidenhood, cronehood. This is that place where we go to the temple and we sit together and we speak, we hold, we cry, we release, we laugh. attunement is for you. Thank you for joining us. Let's begin. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Temple Podcast. Hi, I'm Kasha Diana, and I'm your host, and today I have the beautiful May. Hi, May. Hi. (laughs) May is an Akashic Channel storyteller and luxury mentor. She is the founder of Luxuriously Fierce, Fierce Productions, and host of the Luxuriously Fierce Podcast. She is on a mission to change the way the world sees luxury, guiding you to be the one holding the pen in your own story. Mm. Yes. Welcome, welcome. I can't wait to hear your story. <laughs> oh, well, there are many moving pieces in mine, but I'm so I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. When I'm seeking out other women to be on this podcast, my whole goal is to create a Rolodex of powerful women who are in their power, basically priestesses of the priestesshood who are living their magic, who are living their light and their shadow so that they can shine for other women to find them. And I kind of want to be that page where women just go and be like, I really need this kind of support or this woman really, you know, stands out to me or how that topic feels so interesting. And then it lights them up and it activates them into their priestesshood. And so thank you for being here, priestess. I really appreciate you. I'm so excited. (laughs) I love that. And that, I mean, that right there is the, the foundation of what I do. And the foundation of my own podcast is for people to come and, listen and hear themselves in the stories that are being shared in the things that we're talking about and to feel that fire right to feel that spark and feel that expansion and dive into that Mm -hmm. that is how you hold the pen that's it that is that's beautiful and well may is shared with me that she's a priestess she's in the priestesshood of words could you elaborate a little bit more on that i know we had a little chance to talk at the beginning and i can attest already from that small snippet of talking to you that you are really good at words. You're really good at story. You're oh, really no, good at... no pressure. <laughs> I don't think that is pressure at all. It's such a, like, the gift is coming through just so effortlessly for you. So if Thank you could, you. yeah, if you could share why 
that is your priestesshood, why you are the priestess of words. You know, it's so funny is that I was talking to my very beautiful, very beautiful bestie, Maddie Grace Theory, who's been on this podcast before. And um, I said to her, I was like, Maddie, what am I a priestess of? What priestesshood am I a part of? And I was really kind of struggling with that. And she was like, duh, the priestesshood of words. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> there are so many, sometimes I feel like there are so many moving pieces in me and in what I do that it's it's kind of hard to pin that down. But the priestesshood of words really resonated with me. And it's words, they're my thing. Uh -huh. my, that's just, it's just it, right? And it's really ironic because the English language is so small that a lot of times I struggle to find the words to accurately convey how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking or what I'm moving through or even how to express myself. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you get to hold both of those things, right? Being that that word connoisseur, but also struggling with finding the right words in moments. But for me, words are just such a powerful, powerful tool. Even when I was a child, I, I wrote stories, I wrote poems, I, I wrote, I would give them as gifts to people, to my grandparents. And, you know, I still have all those things. My mom would have my poems or stories published in the local like newsletter newspaper all of that kind of thing and journaling was a really really big part of my childhood and especially because as a child I was really tapped into my intuition and my connection with my guides and my ability to really kind of tap into the akasha right at the time mm -hmm. I didn't know that that's what was what was happening um but yeah, I was a really big channel when I was a kid and words really helped me, the the writing, right? Mm -hmm. The expression through stories and through poetry was really the thing that helped me channel that through because I didn't know how to do that and I didn't know what to do with that energy that was within and I didn't know what to do with those messages and the things that were coming through. And, you know, growing up, I... I did the thing we all do where we stuff ourselves into the boxes and we sort of put our intuitive gifts and, you know, abilities and um, even writing poetry stories, even journaling. I put all of that on the back burner. And for a long time, I never picked up that pen, right? I wasn't the one literally writing and I wasn't the one writing the story of my life, writing my own book, right? Mm -hmm. And... You know, when I think back to my late teens, early 20s, there were times where my channel would come through, where I would channel something. And still, you know, even at that time, I didn't know that that's what I was doing. I didn't know that I was channeling. I didn't even know what that was or what that word even meant, right? And it wasn't until I would say I was probably 27-ish and I don't know what happened. There's no moment of awakening that I can pinpoint. It's really just kind of a snowball of stuff where I 
literally picked up the pen and I started writing and I started journaling and I started writing poetry and I started writing stories again. And there was just like this spark, this thing that came alive in me. And I actually started almost from a very childlike state or tapping into that inner child where I started my business, Luxuriously Fears, actually started as a journaling business for kids, as a mindfulness and yoga business for kids. And I actually would teach teachers and educators how to implement yoga and mindfulness and journaling and you know creative writing and expression and, and all that kind of thing in their classrooms, you know, without taking up too much time or without a lot of needing a lot of financial resources, you know, there's a lot of strain on the education system. And so actually that's how this whole business started. And then it morphed into journaling for kids and journaling for adults. And I still have my journaling for kids business called Wolf and Whimsy Kids. Luxuriously Fierce used to be called Wolf and Whimsy. So I had Wolf and Whimsy and then Wolf and Whimsy Kids. And it just continuously evolves. And now here we are with Luxuriously Fierce. We do journaling, we do Akashic mentorship, we do storytelling, and we do you being the one holding the pen and writing your own story and tapping into your version of luxury, whatever that looks and feels like for you. I love that so much. I love that so much, how it's been a progression, how it's been a transition. I'm a big fan of inner child work. So hearing you tap into that and start and give your child, your inner child, that space to really work and create and develop the foundation, that is probably like the biggest key to success, I would say, is holding that pen for your child and letting them kind of write it, right? Yeah, exactly. And everything that I've birthed through what is now called Wolf and Whimsy Kids has been you know, and I've actually just posted this recently on Luxuriously Fierce, where everything I've created has come from the version of me that needed the me I am now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've published children's journals from Wolf and Whimsy Kids. I have a children's book. And, you know, those journals, the, the kids' journals actually come with, they have matching, I call them grown-up journals, right? Um, and so you can you buy the kids journal and you buy the grown-ups version and they're the exact same um with some some minor differences where your child kind of gets to participate in your journaling in the grown-up journal right in in mm-hmm. in various ways i'm not going to get into all the details of that but the point is that i needed that when i was a kid mm-hmm. right that space mm-hmm. needed that book with the breathing techniques because I needed to to know how to manage my emotions and how to express how I'm feeling. I needed that journal with those prompts because I needed a space, a safe space to let things flow. And so Mm -hmm. I created that for kids now, for whoever wants to go get it. But (laughs) yeah, everything that I do comes from a version of me Mm -hmm. that needed the me I am now. I would say that almost everything you do has to do with words. It has to do with a place for them to come, for a place <laughs> for them to land, for a place for them to live and exist and, and be. What I love yeah. about journaling is it's my space. Like it's my safe space where no one's going to judge me. 
I can really, I, I do a lot of channeling through writing as well. I'm a writer. And so I find that it's almost easier for me to get the concise feeling I'm searching for when I write versus when I'm in person and speaking, there's almost, it's a different flow. Like the flow is almost like from, how would I express it? See, even right now I'm like trying to find yeah. the words, right? But when I'm <laughs> writing, it's so effortless. Like the words come and when I read it, I'm like, yep, that's exactly what I meant. It's so easy for me to put words onto paper. And then for me to really be using my voice, now that's a whole different level. My husband, yeah. my husband's laughing because I was listening to my podcast at home and he's like, this is really good. Like, who is this? I was like, this is my podcast. And he's like, you're listening to your own stuff. <laughs> I was like, I know, I know. I've never listened to my own stuff. Like I'm a performer as well. He'll mm -hmm. record me and like share with our friends and be like, look, like this like song that she was doing and playing with this band. And I'm like, ah, why are you showing people these things? He's like, babe, like you're really like, he's, he's just loving on me, but I am not the type of person to go back and look upon my work, especially digitally. Whereas yeah. writing, it's like, it just feels safe to like go back to my books to read, to go back and see my words, my essays, my thesis. Like I, those things feel safe and just really easy to look back on. So I can relate with, with words being a place to, to connect and to channel for sure. For sure. Yeah, I'm the same way. I've never listened to any of my podcast episodes ever. Never? Oh my God. <laughs> never. Never, Very not humbling. once have I ever gone back and listened. Um, but yeah, my journal is that, that space that I come back to all the time. And that's my favorite part about journaling is that reflection where you get to go back and you get to look mm -hmm. and you get to actually see the words that you put on paper and I mean, the words that we use are so powerful. They're so powerful. Yeah. They have a lot more power and influence over our lives than we really can understand or even mm -hmm. really recognize. For so many of us, we don't actually recognize the power that the words have. And I love going back through my journals and reading the sentences and going, oh, wow, that could have been, you know, that could have been a better word choice there. But also understanding and having compassion for the space that I was in at the time that I right. wrote that entry, right? I was a different version of me and probably that version didn't know to use a, a different word or, you know, you get to go back and you get to see like, oh, that, that version of me is so different even in the way that she writes to herself, mm -hmm. even in the words that she uses to speak and write and think and feel about herself. And for me, the difference in expressing myself through words in my journal and expressing myself you know, vocally, like as in right now, is that in my journal, I a lot of times I just write how I feel in my body, right? If there's a time where I can't quite find the word that I'm looking for where English language is failing me in that moment and I that you know there's not a word to accurately convey what I'm thinking or feeling I'll write how it feels in my body and there aren't a lot of people I'm very very lucky in that I I very intentionally surround myself with the most amazing amazing humans and I have people in my life where if I went to them and I was like, this is how I'm feeling in my body. I don't, I don't have the words in English to really 
tell you how I'm feeling or what I'm thinking in a way that really will get my point across, but this is how it feels in my body, right? I'm very lucky in that I have those people that I can go to and say that and they will understand Mm -hmm. what it is I'm actually trying to express, right? But for a lot of us, that feels weird, right? Like you're going up to whoever in your life and saying, this is how I feel in my body. And I have a lot of people in my life that I can't do that with, right? And, sure. and not that I can, and it's just that they would think that I'm insane. <laughs> and they wouldn't have... Well, they see the world ideas. differently. Exactly. And so writing in my journal is, yeah, it's a safe space that it's just for you. And you get to be the fullest expression of yourself without... Mm-hmm fear of judgment or shame or guilt and there's that authenticity that you can co-create and then keep building on you know I really like that exercise that you do and how is it feeling in my body because Mm. so much is stored in the body a lot of the work that I do with women is actually just reawakening different um synapses and different um just places of things that are stored in the body and so for you to be able to tap into that that's amazing it is so amazing so amazing thank you it's it's taken a lot of work to get here (laughs) sure I could see that I could see that because it's not really mm, appreciated it's not really like welcomed it's not easily welcomed for people in this society to see it that way right like it's you know everything's focused on the outwards versus the inwards and and how I'm feeling I'm also blessed with a lot of body awareness almost like a curse it's yeah it's like (laughs) oh I feel this but I don't want to like if I'm coming back to the duality you get to hold it all yep all the time yeah totally um but it is it is a blessing and it can also feel a little overwhelming sometimes um But being in your body, I mean, and then finding a language. Oh, this is what I was also going to share. And I, I feel now that I'm I'm getting to know you a bit more too, is maybe you feel similarly to me is how English is a very dense language. And some of it can be almost like a trickery where, um, you know, you're spelling every time you speak, right? You're spelling out loud. And so what do those words mean? And perhaps could we be a little more careful in how we curate our experience by using these words in a physical realm right absolutely even you know subtle changes I started with shifting phrases like I don't know Mm -hmm. right it's so easy for us if someone asks us a question why do you want to do this or you know what's up with this or what's this next step Mm -hmm. for you whatever the question might be it's so easy for us to go I don't know Mm-hmm. as a, a cop-out almost, right? As a way for us to bypass really looking within and really tapping into what it is that we want and what it is that we desire to create for ourselves in this lifetime. And what the phrase, I don't know, turns into is putting yourself on the path that's been laid before you by someone else, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so... I started, you know, very simply with that by just not saying the word, the phrase, I don't know, unless it's genuinely a question of like, how far is earth from Mars? 
I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, right? Um, but even then, I would try to rephrase it like, oh, I'm not educated on that topic or, <laughs> or just something, something so that I didn't have to say that phrase, mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. I find myself now, I, you know, I don't use it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've practiced that with dream work. So I would wake up in the morning and I would write my dreams and it started to be a practice that I talked to my partner about it. And I encourage him really like, well, I don't remember. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. And you're tapping into the remembering. And so just being mindful of what that almost creates for yourself, you're setting yourself up to not remember. Whereas it's there, it just requires perhaps for you to close your eyes and sink back into the dream world, or perhaps just a moment to clarify yourself or to, you know, find the knowledge, find the knowing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've been taught that we don't remember our dreams, right? Yeah. How many times have you heard that? You know, yeah. Like growing up, that was, that was the thing, right? I don't remember. I don't remember. remember. You don't remember your dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Or dreams are not real. Yeah. That one almost, that one almost makes me really sad because I, yeah, they, I used to dream when I was a kid. I used yeah. to dream and I would wake up and know things. Yes. Um, like know things that I shouldn't have known at eight years old or, you know, just, and I, whenever someone says that like dreams aren't real or you don't remember your dreams or they don't mean anything. I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, honey, you've got some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's get a journal out, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Just the other night, that. I dreamt about earwigs. And it was a semi like unsettling feeling, especially like the circumstances of it. But it was also, it was I wasn't. Anyway. Pardon? Earwigs are just creepy anyway. They're, yeah, they're not. <laughs> They're not the greatest, but in my dream, I remember being like, oh, just more fascinated by them. So then I went and looked up the meaning of them and I was like, if you show fear when you see this, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I didn't. So then I'm like, okay, there's got to be some kind of meaning behind it. And it had to do with family connections and working through family stuff. And wouldn't you know it, we were all working through like a big purge, like a big purge, everybody in the family. So it was really neat. I mean, even that word right there. I say purge instead of sick. Because I don't think yeah. we're sick. Like we're not yeah, exactly. unwell. Our body is just literally assisting us and clearing space for new wonderful things to come. And sometimes it can feel pretty shitty. And sometimes it can be hard. But so is moving your entire house to another province. That's also yeah. shitty and hard. <laughs> but it also gives you something awesome. So, you know using your words very carefully, I think is, is important. Yeah, it is. Um, I was looking at your answers to you embody and resonate with goddess Isis and Lucifer. I too embody and resonate with Isis a lot. Um, not so much with Lucifer, but I would love to hear your expansion on that because Lucifer was he the, the fallen angel. Is that, um, well, I don't really know much about him. Lucifer, um, is a Latin word. It means morning star. Right. And so, okay. It's um, in the morning, sort of in the very early dawn, um, you can see the planet Venus, right? So Lucifer is actually um, the god of Venus. Okay. Uh, yeah. So it's really, it's really cool. And this is something I learned from my friend Nikki Colmoni. And um, when I was doing womb work with her, Lucifer popped up a lot. 
And so now I work, I work with him a lot and he's like one of my guides. I tap into him a lot. And he, I, I mean, he's very sarcastic, right? We know we are taught that Lucifer is the devil, right? And in biblical. Yeah. The fallen angel. You know, religious, yeah. Yeah. Um, we know Lucifer as the devil, and that's actually not true. The The translations of the Bible itself sort of portray Lucifer in that way. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to go down that road. But, um, yeah, so Lucifer actually means morning star. And I will – I have two dogs. I will name my third dog Lucifer. This is a total Love tangent. It. But, like, my dogs yeah. are named Luna and Loki. Luna means moon. Mm-hmm. Loki is god of night, mm-hmm. and Lucifer means morning star. Right. So oh, they will that's be such a nice trilogy. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm excited for the day, but yeah, Lucifer is really sarcastic, which I think is why we both get along so well. Like when I hear that voice in my head, that's just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me, because I'm clear audience, so I hear, I hear a lot mm-hmm. of messages. Um, Except when I'm in the Akashic records, then I, then I can see things. I see things a lot. But I will hear random, like, y'all, you've got to be kidding me. Or, like, what are you doing? Like, what is going on in your head? And I'm like, okay, Lucifer, just calm down over there. <laughs> but- <laughs> I love it. I love it. I just know that it's him because it's the sarcastic uh-huh. voice that comes through. And a lot of times I do hear his voice almost in my voice and I think we just have like we're just so connected in that way um but yeah Lucifer is he is a really helps me through a lot in terms of I can I really started connecting with him when I started doing womb work and when I started um you know working on that sacral chakra and that creativity and the sensuality and letting myself be expressed and expressive and Lucifer is that. He's very expressed and very expressive. He's very um, blunt, mm-hmm. really kind of get to the point. And I needed that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not really someone who, if you like drop hints or you're kind of like beating around the bush to get to your point, I don't pick up on what you're saying. Uh, it, I'm very... I need the, the, the direction in, uh-huh. in something. Right. And so. I think that masculine yeah. aspect is super imperative, yeah. especially when exploring womb work and when um, exploring sensuality and, and all of those places that were perhaps not as expressed before having that, like, I find a masculine, especially a strong masculine presence. And now that I understand more about Lucifer and Morningstar and Guard of Venus, um, to me, it feels very much like a sacred container where he was able to like hold that for you. And I feel like that's what men and men in their masculine really do is hold that space, yeah. all the feeling, all of the intensity so that woman can be wild and that woman can be like her, just be herself. Yeah. And even just like his personality is very outgoing and mm-hmm. he's, you know, and I love that. And I think at the time, that was what I was craving for myself, was uh-huh. for, for me to be able to speak my truth and say things that I was holding back, right, for fear of 
you know, shame, guilt for fear of being, you know, seen or weird or whatever it is, right? All, all the stories that we tell ourselves. And yeah, he has no, <laughs> he has no, no, no filter qualms. and no, yeah. just is unabashed by mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that was, he's been a really, really powerful guide for me. And he's the, he's the guide that I, that I connect with the most. That's beautiful. Thank you for introducing me and um, giving me more information. Yeah. I'm excited to do that for you. Yeah. And now what about the goddess Isis? How do you feel her embodiment um, come through for you? And and why does she resonate with you? Isis, when I started working with Isis, again, in womb work, Mm -hmm. she showed herself to me and like I'll, I'll never forget this this was in a meditation i walked into this castle and she came in from as i walked in the door she came in from the right my right side and like i, I inside this castle i walked into the foyer and there's a door on a door on the left a door on the right and then a grand staircase sort of in front of me with stairs kind of coming down both sides um a description you didn't ask for, but it's coming anyway. <laughs> no, I want to see it all. Yeah. And, and so I walk in these doors and Isis comes in from the right. And she was holding a rose. And I remember I visited her. I visited this castle multiple times um, just because there were four doors. Right. And so I four times one to visit each door every time. I visited this castle in a meditation and this happened over a span of four weeks, right? She had a rose and she would show me something passionate, like something, it was something different every week. And so, you know, one week it was a a scroll, I guess, with very sort of fancy, fancy kind of lettering. Um, it was poetry in sort of, I guess, it makes me think of like, like way old times with like a feather, a feather pen where you dip it in ink and write on the scroll. Like one week it was that, one week it was just, you know, a really passionate, intimate connection with a partner, a divine partner. Um, I'm trying to remember the other ones off the top of my head, but every week she showed me something passionate and when I, one week I went into the castle and uh, Mary Magdalene came in from my left. So I was visiting the left door that week and she had, uh, for lack of better word, entity on her, Mary Magdalene did. And it wasn't an entity like, you know, demonizing or, or anything like that. It was a fear a little fear that was kind of showing itself as this little entity and that Mary Magdalene, she was really trying to protect it, um, from a whole like past life link. There was, there was a whole, a whole (laughs) other trajectory there. But the point of this meditation was for this entity to come forward and for Mary Magdalene to really let go of it. And so when we did that, as we were going through that meditation, 
this was, and this is all happening in the foyer of the castle. We're standing in the middle of the foyer, me and this entity. And I'm face to face with this entity. But when I got up to him, like walked up to him closely, he was just like, he was terrified. Right. And so he wasn't an entity in like a demonizing kind of way. He was this fear. And the closer I got to him, the more I could see the fear and the more I could see that sadness of me. Right. It, this mm -hmm. entity, you know, represented that a piece of me that I was experiencing and moving throughout the time. And so in healing that, Isis came forward and she created this massive rose in the middle of this for the foyer of this castle and it, it was mass it was big enough that we stepped into it right Aww. we stepped into this rose and we're completely enveloped like from toe to head and above like completely wrapped in this rose and you know i we chatted with this entity we had a whole conversation there was a, a whole meditative process right and in the end, I stepped out of the rose and this entity step, he stayed in there and the whole rose just like closed around him. Right. And he sort of, the way I'll describe it is sort of the, as the rose closed, he kind of sunk into the floor and the rose disappeared. Right. He was enveloped Aww. in that love. Um, and, you know, kind of released, right. Released from my castle from the castle that was in, in my sacral chakra at the time um and yeah so that's a very roundabout way just to say you know isis shows up for me in passion and mm -hmm. compassion and love mm. and in showing you know even those pieces of us that, that fear that sadness whatever it is that's coming up enveloping it in something really beautiful mm, that's so powerful so powerful i love when goddesses show up in our meditations and help move yeah. stuff and big rose work is also super powerful what a beautiful 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 way to use rose magic and what a gift that she gave to you yeah and whenever i need a little compassion uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> and moving through something you know she's i call an isis and she always shows up with the same rose in her hand uh, she's, that's beautiful you know, that's how that's how i see her um and she always comes in from my right side too she never nice she never strays she's very consistent uh -huh, <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. yeah but yeah that was the first time that i'd ever really um experienced rose work right or mm -hmm. uh had yeah had that experience with a rose and being enveloped and it was really really beautiful and i i remember it as one that i cried a lot in. <laughs> mm -hmm. totally well it's sacred sex work ultimately mm -hmm. isis is the yes. goddess of sacred sex magic so yeah. using the rose is such a compassionate way to help open up that space for women definitely i use rose meditation a lot when I do womb circles, when I facilitate womb circles with women, um, there's one in particular where you're sitting, like you build your own rose throne and then you sit in your rose throne. It's a really beautiful practice for just really sitting into your seat of your power and sitting into the seat of your femininity and your sacred sexual magic and power. 
again, power. It's just, she's so powerful. So powerful. She is. Beautiful. Beautiful gifts we're given. If we listen, if we close our eyes and listen, yeah. you and know. Open to, to what's within, right? Mm-hmm. It's all within. Mm-hmm. It's there waiting for you to tap into it, waiting for you to invite. You know, Isis is there. Lucifer's there. They've been with me my whole life, right? And along with other, you know, guides and angels. And they've been waiting. They spent my whole life, well, almost, almost my whole life, um, barring the last few years, but waiting for me to invite them in, right? Mm-hmm. Waiting for me to invite them into my space and, and you know. If, to be truly seen. Yeah, and, like, if you're listening to this and you're like, how do I connect with Isis? How do I connect with Lucifer? How do I connect with my own guide? Invite them in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. I would do that before I would fall asleep. I'd say, okay, any guides, any angels, anybody that needs to come and, and speak to me, I'm, I'm here to hear you. I'm here to see you. And it's easier for me if I'm not awake and my thinking brain isn't on. So can you just meet me in the dreams tonight? And after a few nights of like saying the same thing, I mean, sometimes it would just show up right away. But I remember in the beginning, there was like a trust almost that had to be built and just be like, yes. show, show me. I'm ready. I welcome you. I welcome you. And it is as simple as just talking to them, eh? Just like a little whisper, like, hey, thanks for being here. Sorry, I haven't talked to you much. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. It is that simple. It is that simple to connect. Now, when you started your journaling business and your mindfulness business and then it grew into luxuriously fierce um mm-hmm. when you were storytelling about that it was so natural for you to storytell so I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about your storytelling process is there a process or is this something that just comes naturally to you it's um I would say it's a little bit of both it's very I think for a while, it was very much a process of tapping back into me, you know, after following all the rules and not straying from that straight line path that's put before so many of us. When I decided to step off that path, it was hard in so many different ways. But the biggest thing was that I just felt so lost. Um, I didn't feel like I had any direction. I didn't know where I wanted to go. And writing that chapter really became a process of inner work, right? Of inner child work, of womb work, of trusting myself, of setting myself up to be the one holding the pen, setting those boundaries, you know, you know all the things that kind of go into that. Um, now it feels very natural. It comes very naturally. And at the same time, I'm constantly expanding and evolving and growing. And so at every new level, I meet a piece of myself that's like, ooh, you know, and I kind of, I go back to that process and sort of not even necessarily follow it to a T, but remind myself of how I've done it before, right? A, A thing, a lot of fear that comes up for people is how do I do this? And for me, whenever I find, catch myself saying that, how do I do this? How do I step forward? How do I, whatever? I always think, 
How have I done this before? In what ways have I already done the thing that is coming up for me right now? And when I'm telling a story, I really like to, I always say to start with the end. Start with the end of the story. And what I mean by that is, you know, not literally start with the end and work your way backwards, but is to have a goal in mind. Like, what is the point? What is the why? What do you want people to walk away from you with? When your story is over, and I think about this in terms of my podcast too, and inside my podcasting program, like, when your podcast episode is over, when the story is over, when the thing that you're sharing is done, what do people walk away from you with? What energy are they in? What have they learned? What have they, what, are, what how are they connected with you? What have you given to them? Right? And knowing what that is and being able to guide the things that I'm saying in that way without you know, not forcing a conversation or not, you know, really guiding it, but also guiding it in the way that I'm not just talking forever. If we don't know where we're going with what we're saying, we'll talk forever because we're not sure where the end is. We're not sure what the point is. And so we get in our head, right? And, oh, is this person getting all of this out of this conversation? Is this person getting something out of it? Have I said enough? Have I done enough? Have I put forward enough? And then you just talk for a really long time and people get lost. They get lost in that, right? So, yeah, it's a it's a process, but it does come naturally. And I do, you know, when I step on to someone's podcast and I'm sitting down and sharing my story and, and telling, I think about the listeners, right? What do I want people to walk away from me with? You know, when this, when someone's listening to this episode and it's over, what am I leaving that person with? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The end goal. Yeah. I like that way of, of, um, ending or starting with the ending. Yeah. Because it does give you, it's kind of like, to me, I, when you were talking, I envisioned it as like, okay, here's the basket and this is what I want in it. And so that every time I'm speaking, I'm filling the basket. And then at the end, we have this glorious basket of whatever we've shared or created together. And other people are throwing things into the basket, that kind of thing. That was the imagery that came up for me when you were saying that. that. Because then it's, it's a full place for it to go. And there is an ending, it's concrete, like there's a boundary there. Because I do sometimes find, maybe it's you know, people being uncomfortable with themselves perhaps, but, um, talking to people sometimes can turn into like, like having to step away awkwardly because they don't know how to like finish mm-hmm. the conversation. It's like, you know, there's body yeah. language into it. There's like, <laughs> all right, we'll see you later, you know? And then it's like, yeah, oh, we're talking. Okay. We're going to, going to keep, you want to share with me. So it's, it's a really good way for me anyways, to practice speaking with other people. It's like, I'm going here for this experience and this is what I would like to talk about. And I almost have to like prepare questions in my head when I'm in a social setting just for 
that. And maybe that's what I've, I've always been doing is just creating an end goal for myself. I always thought it was maybe out of like social awkwardness or just picking up on social cues and how you're supposed to act, et cetera. Um, but now I'm realizing that that was just my way of categorizing, you know, the experiences or the conversations that I'm going to have and, and almost like setting an intention. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? You're setting that intention and it doesn't even have to be something that's like, what are people walking away from, from me with? But it can be setting an intention, like I'm setting, an abandon, I'm setting a boundary and I'm not over-explaining myself, right? And the thing that comes to mind as an example is that, you know, people ask me all the time, what do you do? And that's a hard question. Uh-huh. It's a hard question for me to answer because I cannot put into a box what I do. It's something that you have to experience. And I can try to, in so many words, tell you what I do. But the reality of is that what I do is so expansive. And I have different programs and different, you know, ways to work with me and connect with me. They all have to do around words. And so what I say, you know, to people who I know won't necessarily understand, you know, we're in different, different places. I say, oh, I work online. Uh-huh. right end of conversation there's a boundary there I'm not diving any further into that with you yeah right? I've had that conversation <laughs> yeah if this if this is someone who I know is a little bit more open and they say oh what do you do I'll say well I'm in a Kashuk channel and mm-hmm. you know I guide people guide humans to write their own story to take back their personal power you know it's really there's a lot that goes into it and and yeah. And I, I'll kind of leave it at that. I'm an Akashic channel. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a life, I don't like the word life coach, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it, but it's a word that people know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and really just giving myself that permission, like setting that boundary, that intention of I'm not over explaining this. Mm-hmm. It can be draining too, because yeah. there are, sometimes there aren't words to describe the work that we do. Just as there isn't a school that I went to, I mean, school of life, but like there is no university diploma or PhD for the work that I am a part of and who I am and why I'm here and my mission to fulfill, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes short and sweet is actually more effective with people who are not open to using language in such a magical way. Yeah, and it's really just about setting those boundaries too and that intention and, and, you know, not giving your power away to people who won't get it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. And what just came to mind for me when you were speaking, I was like, I have a master's degree and I don't use it. And so people say to me all the time, and even when I went to go to start my master's degree, why do you want a master's degree? Because I want one. Yeah. Why do you have a master's degree and you don't use it? Because that's how my life has turned out. Right. Because this is what has unfolded for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And and that's it. That's the answer. I don't need to explain myself to you. I don't need to share this story with you. Mm-hmm. Right. And so sometimes the end goal is not what am I leaving people with? It's that boundary mm-hmm. of not giving away your power in storytelling. Mm-hmm. Because it is such a power. We used to pass down... Uh, loads of information through story, mm-hmm. right? And it's very yeah. powerful stuff through story and through song. 
So having a boundary is super important, super important. And there's an ethics there, right? There's an ethics code for yourself. And, and also there's an, like an unspoken ethics code for the person, because sometimes people are not aware and you can pick up on that just like by having your boundary and being like, I'm not going to go there with you because it's not going to be received. And it may not even be your time to receive this story. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Mm. And so when we're talking about personal experience, um, you know, I'm bringing it back to, oh, I need to learn how to turn off my like noisy notifications. Did you hear that? No. Oh, that's actually really helpful. <laughs> Every time an email comes in, I'm like, bing, bing. And I'm like, it's on no, my podcast. It's on my podcast. <gasps> that's really great. Thanks, May. <laughs> um, when we're talking about personal experience and speaking with other people and having those boundaries, how do you make it luxurious? Why do you use luxury as a big part of your business? Mm. I love that question. <laughs> prepare for a tangent all right okay. let's do it <laughs> I already did my tangent with the beeping of the email so yours is going to be way more on point <laughs> <laughs> oh I love conversations about luxury okay so we know luxury in this human experience as fancy cars, expensive clothing and bags and big houses and lots of money and da 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 da, you know, all but the blingy blingy stuff. And this again, you know, this is born from my love of words and my desire to use them in a way that aligns with me. And if it's not a word that aligns, then I don't, I simply don't use it. Right. And so actually one day I Googled the definition of luxury and the definition is to have more than what you need. And I sat with that and I was like, that is so simple. To have more than what you need is a luxury. And yet we know luxury as fancy this and fancy that and expensive whatever. And I was like, wow, that's a picture that's been painted. And the more I thought about it, the more I, you know, dove into it, luxury became a really personal thing. It's a personal experience. It's an expansive experience. And what is luxury for me is not what is luxury for you. And it's not what is luxury for, you know, the neighbor down the road, right? And that doesn't mean that we don't have the same definitions of luxury. Like, You know, I know that you live on a farm, you have lots of land and I would love that, right? That to me is the luxury of, of the space of nature, of connection to earth and animals and plants and all of that stuff. Right. And so luxury is a very personal experience and, you know, beyond air, water, food, sleep, you know, the, the things that we actually need to survive in this human form. Luxury is not the same for everyone. And it can't be. It can't be because what you need is different than what I need. And what we need comes from within, not from external sources or beliefs or thoughts or whatever. It comes from within. And that 
requires you to go within. That requires you to show up for yourself, to take responsibility for all your bullshit. It requires you to do the work, the, the inner child work, the healing, the womb work, the, the trauma work, the whatever you need to do to start showing up for yourself as yourself in your fullest form of luxury. And when I first started this work, luxury to me was literally being happy. And knowing that I was waking up every day, working toward what it is that I truly wanted, which is where I am now, in that I am in this space. I have my own business. I share my work with the world. I get to sit down and have amazing conversations with people like you all the time. And that is what lights me up. And that is what fuels me that is what that's that spark like i feel it in my belly i can feel it in my belly button all the way up right and it's just that's it that's it and that's and, and i don't mean any of this to say that you know a fancy car or a, a michael kors bag or whatever is a bad thing right if that's what luxury is to you then great and one of the things that i really really kind of stress, I guess, whenever I'm talking about luxury with someone is if the things that bring you luxury make you feel that luxury fall flat, is it really luxury, right? And that's a really, really powerful question to ask yourself when you're sort of on this journey of luxury. And really, you know, the word luxury can kind of be inter interchanged with joy and pleasure, right? And you buy that Michael Kors bag and you're like on this high, you're so excited and it's amazing and it's a beautiful bag and, you know, people love it. And a few weeks down the road, you barely look at it. Nobody comments on it anymore. You've, you've, your bank account is, I don't know how much a Michael Kors, like five grand, <laughs> whatever, lower than it was. And if that falls flat, right, that moment of, pleasure, joy of luxury falls flat, is it really luxury? I mean, the uh, answer is no. No. <laughs> yeah. But it's a powerful reflection in, in what luxury really is for you and whether or not you're tapping into it from within. Mm -hmm. That is such a beautiful explanation and journey of the word luxury. And I can absolutely relate because luxury is different for every single person. And for me, I love now, I love spending money on myself. It yeah. used to be very difficult. It used to be very like, I feel stingy about it. Oh my gosh, you know, to justify it. Right. Right. And now it's become kind of my abundance hack, to be honest. Mm -hmm. It's like the more money I spend on myself, the more money I make actually. So yes it's a really beautiful like commitment. You know, I make exactly. a commitment to get pedicures because, well, there's a, there's a few layers there because I'll share for a little vulnerably. Part of it is a past life integration. So integrating that past life into my current self to create more balance with this present person that I am and also integrating that past person that really needs to be seen so that every time I look at my toes, there's full integration. 
mm-hmm. instead of separation, because that separation actually creates more lack in my life and creates more disharmony in my life. So by me investing in those pedicures, by me having, and it's actually, it's interesting, the past life claimed the toes and this new life claimed the hands. So I think in a past life, I had my feet and my hands doted on quite a bit. So as long as my hands and my feet are done, then I feel and am in my truest authenticity and my truest like flow of abundance. And then the universe always provides that for me because it's become a non-negotiable that those are the things that I require to feel in my power, to feel luxurious, to feel in abundance. And it's so beautiful, you know, and now it's flowing into the other people in my life as well. It's like, well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you spend the extra on organic? Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you tap into how you feel? Why wouldn't you want to experience that luxury every single day? That's it. Right? It's just... Why wouldn't you? It's such a simple question. And I'm willing to bet the answer is... I don't know. (laughs) That's the answer, right? If someone says to you... Why don't you tap into that luxury every single day? Someone says, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Or I don't think that it's necessary, which translates to I don't feel like I'm worthy. Right. Right. It's it's a whole whole bunch of layers here. But Mm -hmm. yeah, luxury is, it's a feeling, right? And Mm -hmm. doing those things that make you feel that way and light you up and make you feel happy and bring you that joy and that pleasure and make you feel abundant and yeah Mm. it's the same thing about keeping my home a certain way I love my home a certain way and a certain cleanliness and a certain aspect things are placed accordingly not only just for like the magical aspect of creating a grid but also to remember how luxurious it feels to be in a space where I walk through it and am just adoring every part of my space yeah you know I'm the same one <laughs> yeah I love it I love it I love it I love it and I'm why like, would oh, you move this thing <laughs> put mm-hmm. it back mm-hmm. I've created yeah. the template for what I expect in this space because mm-hmm. it makes me feel xyz and I think I talked about this with Mari actually it's like it invokes a feeling and then when you have that feeling of luxury you have that feeling of beauty for me is the word is is the example is like I feel like my home mm-hmm. is beautiful then I can be beautiful that gives me the space the permission yes. to be beautiful and that's the same thing with luxury if you can tap into it then your life is just going to become more luxurious you know yeah. who and doesn't want it, that right? velvet chair I'm like yeah yeah velvet chair. I would totally get a velvet chair mm. but like Everything has an energy, right? Everything, even your stuff. Uh And so, Uh I mean, that's just it. It's this energy of, do I feel luxurious right now? If I don't, how how do I tap into that? What do I need to do? Do I need to clean my space? Do Uh I need to rest, right? In in the Uh very beginning of all of this, when I was tapping into what luxury actually was for me or what it felt like, a lot of times that was rest. A lot of times that was leaning into yeah. the feminine, right? We're very hyper-masculine. We live in a very hyper-masculine society where it's, you know, overworked go, go, go. and underpaid work, work, work. and overachieving and perfectionism and da-da-da-da. And for so many of us, the luxury is rest. 
the luxury is flow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It's a beautiful way to tap into your femininity. Exactly. Yeah. And th- those things made me feel luxurious because they allowed me to be me. They they allowed me the space that I got to then step into and become who I am now, right? And and that's something I always say in storyteller is a storyteller is allowing you allowing yourself the space to become. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a story to tell. Yeah. Aww, we all thank do. you. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for giving me the space to share my story. What a luxury. (laughs) My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm so happy you were able to share with us and hopefully change the meaning of a few words for people. If at the very least, inspire some other women in their work and who they are here to be. So thank you. Thank you for your time and energy today, May. Thank you for your time and energy and for having me on here. And yeah, for inviting me into this very sacred space of yours that you've created. I love the temple. I love it. I love it. It was also gifted to me in meditation. So I can relate to, to spaces being very sacred. Yeah. And it's not a container that I hold by myself. There are other beings that help me do it. Um, speaking of beings, how can other beings find you? How can they get in touch with you if they want to do work with you or if they want to connect with you or perhaps check out your podcast? How can we reach you? Well, my podcast is called Luxuriously Fierce. And so you can find it on Spotify and Apple. Um, you can find me. Instagram is always the best way to connect with me. I'm always there hanging out. And my handle is luxuriously fierce underscore underscore at the end. Um, yeah, that's the best way. I've got the luxuriously fierce podcast has its own Instagram, which is the luxuriously fierce podcast. Uh, fierce Productions has its own Instagram. It's all if you type luxuriously fierce into Instagram, all of my Instagram accounts will pop up. <laughs> How luxurious! I'm, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. So. All right. That's that's me, but the best the best way to connect with me is over at Luxuriously Fierce. Okay. Perfect. Thank you again. And thank, thank you, you to all of our beautiful listeners. I really love you all so much. I hope that you feel our love and this activation. All right. Rise, priestess, rise. And until next time. I love you.
Listen for 